Net-A-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 4, The Disruptors. How are you getting on prep-wise for London Fashion Week? Good, we're quite busy in the studio. It's probably quite a relief to take some time out then. Yes, it is. We're getting busier. We're a really small team, so we kind of, everything kind of happens in the last few weeks. Do you know what, without last minute, nothing gets done. It's the only way I can work. Yeah, that's Um, fine. Welcome to the new series of the Incredible Women podcast. In this season, we're talking to women who are challenging the status quo, campaigning for positive change and forging their own paths in their own careers. From rebels and mavericks to modern leaders, these are the inspiring women of today and tomorrow. I'm Kay Barron, and I'm very excited to be joined by one of the most exciting fashion designers of her generation, Supriya Lele, for this episode of the Disruptor podcast. So Supriya is not only an LVMH prize winner, which is awarded to the most exciting and relevant global talent, but she's also directing the way that you want to dress now. If you found yourself stripping off your layers of loungewear in favour of something less modest and, well, I would say sexier, Supriya is leading that style revolution. Since she launched her brand in 2017, the British Indian designer has drawn inspiration from both her heritage and the 90s and early 2000s when she was growing up in the West Midlands. And it's that combination that has created something that feels modern and totally desirable. And I'm delighted to be with Supriya today um, and in real life too. It's like it's like the olden days. Um, how are you? How are you this morning? I'm really good, thank you. Good. First of all, as I've said, this is our Disruptor podcast, but what does that word mean to you? I guess in the terms of my work, I would say that it's just would mean that someone who's doing something against the grain or something completely different or new you know, unexpected, something you haven't seen before. Um, I would say that's quite disruptive. Or, you know, anyone that's kind of advocating for positive change in any way, you know, that's really disruptive. Um, I guess going against the system or going against the grain. Which I feel is exactly what um, what you do, which is obviously why we're speaking to you today, um, because you haven't followed trends at all in your career. And you led this way of dressing that's dominating 2022, thank God. Um, So do you see yourself as a disruptor in fashion? You know, I'd never really intentionally went out that way, but I guess now looking back, yes. But I think I've always been a bit anti-everything, even as a child or a teenager. Um, And I put that a lot down to my upbringing or my kind of mixing of my heritage you know not knowing whether I was here or there in some respects and so I think I always felt a little bit outside of the box so whenever I did anything it was always you know I didn't go out you set my intentions to be like I really want to be different but I already knew that I was different so anything I ever did I was was always conscious of that so I guess it was always disruptive in that respect. Yeah when you say anti everything what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I everything that I've always been interested in, from kind of pop culture references or fashion references, you know, I love like the 90s um, brands like Helmut Lang or Margiela. They were very anti the current, you know, environment that they were, you know, within. Um, music wise, I was always interested in more alternative, um, you know, like punk stuff or, you know, um, heavy metal when I was a teenager. And then I went to art school, you know, and that's again, quite disruptive. It's like new methods of thinking, um, people with alternative ideas. Yeah, I used to hang out with 
skaters and kind of punks and stuff like this when I was growing up rather than, yeah, I never felt like I wanted to, if, if, that I fitted in the kind of mainstream of anything. Did you have brothers and sisters who were no. also, oh, I see, so you were just like basically forging your own path completely? Yeah. Find, finding your own group. I mean, I imagine as well that that age when you find that group of people that you're like, oh, this is, these are my people. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the same mindset. Mm-hmm. Um the same culture and obviously the same references. Totally, and I think when you're a creative or any, you know, anyone, your friends really shape your kind of world and your language in so many different ways. So growing up, I was really inspired by the people that were around me as well, you know, the, the conversations that we would have about music or gigs we would go to or we would talk about clothes, or, you know. And then when I went to university, went to art school, like all of my friends who are in different disciplines now, from painters to architects, you know, to sculptors, it's like you kind of, you, you it really broadens your sort of thinking and horizons. But then when you think similarly on different points, like on different things, it's really nice. So you learn a lot. It's quite influential and forming. Um, and I think when it comes to kind of building a creative language or a creative world, that's that's quite necessary. Well, also talking about that creative language, um, I mean, obviously people have said, you know, a lot about your collections um, since since you've all positive. Um, but how would you describe your aesthetic and why do you think that it's resonating with women now? I'd probably describe my aesthetic as, you know, it's quite cerebral. Um, and then aesthetically, it's sensual, it's... Um, uh, you know, it has like some romance to it, but then that's quite contrasted with um, more subversive elements. Um, I think there's really a tension between two, uh, you know, two languages, two worlds, um, and they're sort of that intermix, I think, is really crucial. So I think, yeah, there's this romantic side, there's a tenderness, there's sort of nostalgia, but then there's sensuality sex like sexiness and then modernity and a bit more rawness and they sort of all come together in this way in terms of why I think it's resonating with women now I I mean you know like you said we've been in a lockdown for two years I think people are wanting to embrace certain elements of themselves um, in different ways um, maybe wanting to explore a bit more fun within their wardrobe or within their dressing and um, I think that perhaps as well that multi-dimensional um approach is is kind of feels relevant to the kind of modern person you know in in the respect that you know we're all from different places we've all got different interests there's a sort of a versatility within that that maybe people identify with Mm. in that respect you know yeah and also I think it feels it feels new in that way that there's you know I understand that people want to dress up now and you know basically never look at any loungewear or anything like again but I think that people are still you know they've really had time to think about what it is they want to express with their fashion and I think that what you're the message you're giving is actually something that feels completely new to what we've seen before exactly and there's also kind of quite subtle codes that run through my work it was always my intention when I began designing even on my master's that you know the Indian references are subtle like they're they're, how would I describe it there's a sort of there's the like whispers of it rather than in your face um really obvious Indian tropes if I if I used really traditional Indian fabric and then put like a sports jacket on top you know that's not going to really relate to the modern uh person really Mm. I think that or to you or to me Mm. because that's not how I dress that's not what I'm 
fascinated by. I'm more interested in those sort of hints of memories or those ideas. And I think those gestures are really key. And I think that, yeah, I think there's an intellect, like sort of intellectual side to it that I think is is appealing to people because, you know, it, it just looks like a beautiful piece, I hope, um, that you could wear. Well, I think we all want our clothes to tell stories now. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it feels like you're investing in something rather than... yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, rather than just something that you can totally. wear for one night out. It's not yeah. about that. It's much more yes, forever so pieces. Much. And I don't really, because I, I don't really buy a lot a lot of clothes at all. But when I do, you know, it's maybe like one really nice piece that I'll keep and cherish. I mean, getting obsessed about something and having to have it mm. and then keeping it or, you know, it becomes that kind of future heirloom piece. Because mm. also the thing about your pieces are they're so beautiful, you could actually just hang them. Around, you know, and you can have them because of the delicacy of the fabrics exactly. and the and colours. And I think there's a timelessness to the work in a way that um, it doesn't really age in that respect because it's not trend-based. So, you know, even recently I, I looked at every collection, I printed out every single collection I've ever done. And, of course, there's elements that, you know, I, I would like to change of each one, but they don't look out of place now. And, you know, that's been a good few years. yeah. Building. And it does feel like, as you said, there are codes that yeah. run through them all. Oh. Yeah, there's a real clarity. Mm. But your journey into fashion wasn't that straightforward. No. Um, and I know you were drawn to architecture first, which you studied. Mm-hmm. And you also come from a family of doctors. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there an expectation for you to go into medicine? I think um, when I was really little, my father was a surgeon and my mum is like a consultant anaesthetist. And um, my whole family are in medicine. My grandmother was a surgeon, my aunts, you know, everyone's. And I think my grandmother really expected that from me. When I was growing up, my my dad used to always say, don't go into medicine, it's not the life that, you know, it's very exhausting. Um, I think there was an ex- they wanted me to potentially explore like law or something, but you know, which I would say is also probably quite really exhausting. exhausting. Yeah. But no, as a child, I was always really artistic. I was always drawing and painting. My mum was even saying the other day that she remembers how many times I'd sit and make make clothes for my dolls. Of course. One of those kids. Always designing, (laughs) even from an early age. But I was actually really interested in sort of drawing and painting and and that's really where I saw myself going at first. Um, I think my parents were just a bit unsure about what that would really mean for me. So I sort of went with the best of both worlds. I went to an art school. I went to Edinburgh and the art school there is amazing. And I, um, I decided to study architecture again because... That was an it's an interest of mine anyway. You know, in that respect, I think when you're creative, you're interested in so many so many things, and the kind of course is really artistic led. So I thought it would be nice to be in an art school environment, study that. Um, about six months in, um, I realised that yeah, as much as I loved loved it, um, perhaps it wasn't right for me. And my course leader at the time actually felt that I'd be really suited to be a sculptor. So that was my next thing I was like okay I went and did the foundation course and I was all set to join the sculpture department I'd been accepted and at the really last minute I just swerved and went into fashion and here we are <laughs> so well, thank god you did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think also sometimes doing 
architecture is sometimes somebody's first step where they're a bit like, I know I want to go into art fully, but this feels more acceptable because there's still that academic side. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. That's probably just like ticking the boxes for the family that doesn't really understand. Totally. Yeah. Which I get because it's, it's, you know, it's if you don't know anyone who's in that world, you don't, you're like, I, I don't know how to help. Exactly. I think generations back in my family, there was a painter um, on my dad's side and he was like a professor of painting great 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 grandfather or something and so you know there's only one person a long time ago <laughs> who did it I do love that you've come from a family of surgeons and doctors and then the artist was also a professor of painting oh my so gosh don't they're very high achieving they're really high achieving <laughs> and I was I remember thinking oh no what if um I don't know I mean they were never pressury with me but I also wanted to uh, yeah, kind of. Well, it's, it's in you. Ways, I yeah, guess. yeah, it's the yeah. ambition as well. Yeah, um, and actually, from the beginning, from the 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 start of your career, you've worked with some of the greatest fashion talent, from photographers and stylists. Yeah. When I was reading it, I was like, how, how does that happen from from the beginning? Um, it's kind of it's amazing. I know. The amazing thing about London is that people are really open to collaborating, and it's not just you know working with like Jamie Hawksworth. He's a an artist and he's interested in what's happening, you know, and the, these kind of collaborations have been really organic, you know. Um, I met Jamie, for example, through um, my the art director who I've been collaborating with for several years, Johnny Liu. But we, I met Jamie, you know, over a drink um, three or four years ago now. Um, and it was... You know, at the time, it all just fell into place. We asked him if he'd be interested in collaborating. And obviously, being a, a young designer, I, you know, the, there's massive budgetary, like, restraints and everything. But As in there is none. As in none. <laughs> none. Yeah, <Yep>. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, and, you know, he was he was up for it. So it for myself as a, as a designer, I, I never really thought I would even hit those sort of targets so early on in the respect I remember when I was studying for my master's um, at the Royal College and I'd, I'd had the one of the very first JW Anderson campaigns that Jamie had photographed and I had it pinned to my board because I loved it so much and I didn't realise that within like two years I would be working with Jamie Hawksworth as well it was really strange. It's, yeah. I mean, it's incredible and um, and yeah. the stylist and obviously from... Emily, yeah. Yeah, which is in incredible. She is honestly incredible because you also did have a whole team of a well, female team yeah is it still a female team <laughs> yeah. yeah which I do think actually yeah. reflects in the collections too yeah um my pattern cutters oh you know everyone um I have a really small team and we're all women um and we're all different we have really different tastes so you have to have them yeah. yeah, if you're all the same, then you wouldn't be able to see past it. Oh my it. gosh, no! Yeah. And in fact, we joke because when we're working in the studio, we're all in really comfy, like joggers and things, and we're like making these really like delicate. Don't ruin the dream. <laughs> I just imagine you're all like fully dressed in the collection at all times. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely good. Yeah, and then you go out somewhere fabulous at the end. Of yep, course, good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, you're obviously working with like Emily and see Jamie, but who yeah. who've been your greatest inspirations? I mean, you know, I feel that it's just been women in my life. You know, I know I don't mean to sound cheesy, but obviously my mum, classic, not classic, cheesy. but 
my mum, my grandmother, my aunts, my friends, um, the, uh, people around me, again, that's just really important to me. You know, growing up, I would always watch my mum getting ready and I would help her get ready, help her choose things. She'd always include me um, in in her sort of, if they were going out for a dinner or an event, you know, she'd always ask me, you know, this or this. And I was always so interested in clothes. We were always having, con my, my dad was so interested in clothes. So we were constantly having conversations about clothing in my house. And I didn't realize that that was really informing my brain, mm. you know, so much. Um, you know, and yeah, I would just, I was always really passionate about clothes and shoes, obsessed. I remember once on a trip to India, it was when um, I was obsessed with the Spice Girls. Brilliant. And um, yeah, I was like seven and I really wanted, I, I really wanted those buffalo platforms, but I you know, wasn't allowed them. But you were seven. But I was seven. Yeah. So in, when I was in India, I was like talking about getting these specific pair of platforms. Like I just needed this like silhouette of a platform and I had it in my mind's eye and knew exactly what I wanted. My poor grandfather like took me out all day so I could like find a pair of platforms that was sort of like, and we went to so many places and I was like, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. No, that's not right. And now I was like laughing with this about my mum the other day because I was like literally... <laughs> designing a shoe in my mind and I was like I need this specific shoe now did you find anything like it I got this pair and they were amazing <laughs> but they had like um I remember them they had like a kind of metallic thread woven through they were really cool I wish I had them now they're really Bottega the oh, shape. really yeah well they've, they've obviously got their granddad to to hunt <laughs> for that specific shoe when they were seven as well <laughs> yeah. and you you touched on this earlier but obviously you know your Indian heritage mm -hmm. is really distinct in colours, fabrics, yeah, um, and the techniques as well, the draping. Is that always the starting point of your design process or where do you begin? I guess now, it, you know, it was very much the starting point, but as we go each season, it sort of rolls in. And so, you know, each season I'm looking at redeveloping the kind of code now of my brand. Um, and there is obviously, there are natural ways that I drape and there's aesthetic you know, kind of carryovers that happen naturally. Um, I always tend to start with just pulling lots of research and references, building boards in the studio, um, and then, yeah, working into the, those ideas. But that process is, um, is always ongoing, you know. It's, yeah, I guess now that that is my brand, it's the DNA of my brand. So it's it's really about sort of channeling that, refining it now and pushing that forward. And I think, and you, you did mention the word sexy earlier, um, because yeah. your work has been described as revealing and sexy. Yes. And <clears throat> and I will say that sex appeal and fashion has vanished for years. Yeah. It all became about kind of oversized dressing, um, that kind of undone look that also made me think that Somebody would spend ages getting ready to go to to go to party, stay for ten minutes, and leave, mm -hmm. and not sit down. Yeah, yeah, um, totally not sit down. That's the thing. But what does that word "sexy" actually mean to you? You know, it's hard. I used it earlier, and I kind of I am reluctant to use the word because I don't really understand in whose eye. You know, it isn't. I, I think it's just how you feel. Mm. Um, so, but I also think that "sexy" as a word has got kind of abused yes and actually it needs to we need to kind of own Reframe it again it. Yeah, yeah because I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all no I think it's just come from now it's gone in the connotations of it means something completely different yeah 
So, yeah, I think it's about how you feel, whether you feel sexy, what whatever that means. I don't know, you could feel sexy in, yeah, a tracksuit. I've never felt sexy in a tracksuit. <laughs> no. <laughs> but some people but could some do. some people could. Yep, that's yes. right. Um, I guess it's about confidence and, yeah, just how you feel. And, and if you feel, yeah, feel empowered and feel strong or feel, yeah, seductive or however you want to look at it, really. Because there's also, and I read um, a, a very renowned uh, fashion critic who described your collection as being, or this this current aesthetic, as being led by young women for young women. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the woman aspect to the fact that, you know, you're a female designer mm-hmm. and you've got a female team mm-hmm. is really important to what yes. you do yes. and what the result is. Yes. Um, but I don't think that it's accurate to say that it's just for young women or it's for slim women or whatever. I think actually what you do is really inclusive and mm-hmm. there's a true body positivity to what you do. I agree, yeah. Um, so how how would you want women to wear it and how would you encourage them to? Because I, I do also think as well, it's again that word sexy, which actually makes women recoil more because yes. they imagine what that is to of them. Of course, and they don't want to wear it wrong in some way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I have a really large um, client base, personal client base. I have women of all different backgrounds all different ages shapes sizes and what's quite nice is when we get feedback on how they're wearing it and it's quite interesting to see really I think at first when I started my brand people were like how do I wear this what do I do um but you know layering things for example my assistant she will wear a piece of mine with like a little t-shirt underneath you know, that's her way of wearing it. Um, someone else I know, a friend of mine wears things, yeah, she'll wear them with like big chunky boots and socks. You know, it's just however you feel like you want to style it, really. A lot of our fabrics are really stretchy. So although the clothes can look quite skimpy and form fitting, um, almost everything is has stretch. Mm. So you can kind of the sizing is quite loose in that yep. respect. I wear a lot of my stuff, you know, when I'm going out to events and dinners and things. How do you wear it? Um, so on New Year, I wore a skirt from the collection that I just showed, which is completely transparent with feather trim. And I just wore it with a men's baggy black T-shirt underneath it and a pair of kind of high-rise knickers. And then I put like a really sheer tight pair of tights with it. So you could see like a tonal. Mm. Yeah. Previously, I've worn just like a dress with like nothing, nothing much underneath it (laughs) and gone out to a party that I felt that that was appropriate for. Um, But generally, you know, one of my best friends, actually, she was going to an event and she came over to borrow some pieces to wear. And she's an artist and she's much more kind of, um, she dresses in quite an alternative way. So she took the kind of, I was thinking she'd go for the more like black kind of, because she's quite in that world, you know, the black pieces. But she picked like this super bright, like pink mini skirt and she wore it with like bright blue tights and like Crocs. And she looked amazing. Yeah. And she wore it with like a weird sweatshirt and then the big coat. And she looked really really good and I was actually like this is really nice to see it broadens my view quite a lot to see how women can wear it you Mm. know it I mean it's all about confidence and how comfortable they feel totally um because there'll be a day that you want to wear it just with very little underneath and there'll be you can wear that dress in a different way oh my gosh even the next day when you're feeling you know yes you can totally like I I personally like layering them up 
Mm. Um, I think it's nice. I know that sometimes people probably don't want to really think about uh, too hard about how to wear something. You might just want to throw it on. But I think if it's like a, an interesting piece and you've got an event to go to, mm. you are going to think about what you're going to wear. Yep. Um, I just think it's not, you know, it's about sort of just going, okay, I really like this dress, but I feel, yeah, I feel like I want to cover my arms today. So I'm going to put like a skinny, skinny like top underneath it. Because like also I think like that artist, I think mm. more people are now experimenting mm. and are more willing and excited to experiment actually with with fashion. And I don't think that there's, because I mean the rules now seem, I mean, I can't bear a fashion rule anyway. No. But I do feel like people are more accepting of oh, yeah. anybody wearing whatever they want. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Totally. As it, sh- as it should be. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, and not just doing it for Instagram or... No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, please go out and enjoy oh it gosh. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and how would you describe your personal style? I dress very much for comfort um, because I'm always on my feet working and I've got a dog. So okay, I'm yeah. always walking the dog. Um, so really dog walker at the moment. I guess... Basically pockets full of treats. Pockets full of treats, yeah. yes. I, finding treats in every... <laughs> Every coat, doesn't matter whether it's an old Prada coat. So really when I'm at work, it's quite it's quite comfortable. I guess that's why everything is stretchy and comfort, comfortable um, that I make, because I, I really think that's really important. Yeah. I can't be uncomfortable. Um, one of my clients, she was wearing, she bought a pair of trousers of mine and they have the, they're the ones that have the kind of G-string oh, yeah, section. Oh yeah, around the top. But yeah. they're like tailored. Mm. Um, and they're cut in this like stretchy wool. And she was like, I wore them all day. And then um, she was like, but they are so comfy. They feel like I'm wearing a tracksuit. And I was like, that is the dream that yep. you can wear them all day and all night. We, I wear them all the time, those trousers. They are so comfy. So, yeah, comfort is really key. Um, I dress very much like that. And then if I have something fabulous to go to, I wear my own clothes. Of course. Perfect. Well, why would you wear anything else? Exactly. Um, and in terms of, of next steps for the brand, I mean, you're still so young. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, are you somebody who does have a five-year plan? I just, I'm enjoying being in the moment. I think that we've spent so long not, you know, on hold. I'm mm. just enjoying right now. And I think that, of course, I just want to be able to keep doing what I'm doing. I also think that, you know, I've worked on doing these kind of artistic projects alongside, you know, like the book I released with Jamie and then I've just done another project in India, actually, which we did back in November. Uh, and I think sort of alternative ways of showing work or kind of exploring the kind of creativity within the brand, that's really important to me. And I think it's important to keep doing projects like that so that you keep things fluid. Mm. You know, maybe I don't want to do a catwalk show every season, but maybe I can do interesting things that will resonate with the people who like my brand in a different way, you know? Yeah, and I do think that was the best thing about, the only good thing probably, is that people had to think differently over the last couple of years. And did prove that you don't have to do a catwalk show. Totally. Um, and we don't have to spend, um, in, in my job, don't have to spend a month or two months a year on the road yeah. looking at collection after collection and actually being more intimate with the pieces, yeah. um, you know, meeting you at the same time or seeing the images of it in the way that you want it to be perceived yeah. is yeah. actually really important. Exactly. And I feel like you actually have a better understanding of the collection than seeing the same models you just saw two Across shows like previously. Four shows, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's about storytelling, isn't yep. it? Really, I think so. 
And finally, who is your disruptor of 2022? Is there anybody in the London fashion community that you are finding particularly inspiring at the moment? There, there is a real new kind of order of, of designers. There's like amazing designers like Maximilian, um, you know, Charlotte Knowles, Nancy, my friend Asai. They're all amazing and everyone's doing their own thing, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess that is pretty disruptive. Yeah, I think as a collective, for yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and the fact that they've managed to find space in the noise of everything else that feels relevant in you. Totally. Yep. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. What a lovely start to my day. Oh, it was lovely. <laughs> I could do this all day. Oh, so nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed that. Oh, well, any time. Oh, you just call me up on the phone. We can do it. <laughs> yeah, just keep chatting. <laughs> the Disruptors was brought to you by Netaporte and Chalk and Blade. Hosted by Netaporte's content director Alice Casely Hayford and fashion director Kay Barron, produced by Rosie Stofer. The team at Netaporte was Katie Barrington as the senior editor, with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The senior producer at Chalk and Blade was Laura Hyde, and the executive producer was Ruth Barnes. Original music and mixes were by Alexis Adimora. Enter the code DISRUPTORS at the checkout for 10% off your first Net-A-Porter order. T's and C's and exclusions apply. To make sure you hear all the episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to netaporte.com.